welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. As as we continue our journey through the season of Easter, our scripture texts offer to us a story that gradually unfolds with Jesus commissioning his disciples and and sending them to continue his work in the world while his Holy Spirit breath works its way into their lives and the authority to forgive sins is practically stamped on their foreheads. And now, from the pen of Luke, both in his gospel and in the book of Acts, come more unfoldings and dramas that characterized those early days when the resurrection of Jesus was still a a vibrant and recent memory and an enlivening reality in the lives of Jesus' friends. In uh, our reading this morning from Acts, we find Peter and John on their way to the temple in Jerusalem for afternoon prayers. Uh, The disciples at this point still considered themselves to be devout Jewish worshipers and, and that all that had happened with Jesus was for them entirely in line with God's purposes for the people called Israel. On their way, their attention is grabbed by the sight of a disabled man who has been carried to the gate called Beautiful where he would beg for money from passers-by every day. Now, we're told that the man was lame from birth, so his situation was really quite desperate since he had never been able to use his legs and had to survive on the generosity and care of other people. Now, what was it about this man that caused Peter and John to stop and talk with him? Uh, Certainly they would have seen him on their prior visits to the temple if they entered through that gate. And there would have been others from time to time seeking help as the worshipers made their way. There was no shortage of people begging for alms. But apparently they sensed that something was going on here perhaps even picking up signals that that God was up to something in that very moment. Well, the man doesn't ask to be healed of his affliction. He, He just holds out his hand hoping to get financial help. But instead of giving the man money, they order the man to stand up and walk, and they do so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the man responds, rising up on legs, never used before, and and soon he runs and he leaps for the first time in his life, and perhaps even enters the temple for the first time in his life. Now, understandably, the the people who see what has happened, they, they get very excited. They knew this man. They recognized him as the one who sat by that gate day after day, his legs curled up and and atrophied, his his hand outstretched to receive coins from people on their way to the place of worship where he could not go. But now he's he's running and he's jumping around and he's praising God for the healing that has just been granted to him. Now, at this point in the story, if you've never read ahead, you might expect Peter or John to take this opportunity to explain to everyone how God's healing power works and why they spoke out in the name of Jesus in the process. But no. Peter does a speech that is reminiscent of the one that he gave to the gathered Jewish pilgrims on the day of Pentecost, right after the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples. And Peter explains 
several things to them. First, he says that the, the power that healed this man was not something that came out of themselves or as a result of their religious diligence. Now, it, it's good that Peter makes this clear because it would not turn out well if the people saw the disciples as, as magicians or, or ones bestowed with divine power that regular people had no access to. Second, Peter explains that the real power came from God, the God of the people of Israel, that God has glorified this Jesus, and it is in his name that healing is commanded. God is the source of healing power. And third, Peter says, this Jesus, oh, by the way, is the one you all killed. He says, you allowed our leaders to claim that he was opposed to God and then turned him over to Pontius Pilate who wanted to release him. But you convinced Pilate to release a murderer instead. And then you killed Jesus. You know, the one, the one from Nazareth. I mean, you may have as well have pounded the nails into his body yourself. You killed the author of life. That Peter, that guy really knew how to win over a crowd, didn't he? But he's not done. He goes on and says that happily, God upended this murderous scheme by raising Jesus from the dead, exposing his killers as the ones who were really the ones opposed to God. And it's because of faith, not simply in the memory of a good man unjustly executed, but faith in the name of the one who has been raised and has been glorified by God the Father, the God who saw all of this coming. And finally, Peter declares, Regardless of your complicity in Jesus' death, you are invited to turn from this corporate sin and let God wipe out all of your sins. In other words, to shower you with forgiveness. And then, instead of suffering punishment for your deeds, you will experience a new kind of refreshing that will come by the Lord's presence. Well, overall, as, as speeches go, Peter's is really quite amazing. Now, just a, a side note here. What Peter is declaring is the very heart of God's justice. You see, vengeance would have demanded that the people pay for their evil work that killed Jesus. Kind of the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing. Instead, God's justice is a work that sets all things right. God's justice is a transformational work that is characterized by repentance, forgiveness, and refreshing. Well, in spite of the harshness of Peter's words, a lot of people respond favorably to his message. Although, although he and John are immediately arrested by the religious authorities, um, and that just seems to be the way that it goes for those who are sent by God. You know, I, I wonder what the people thought about the power to heal coming as a result of God's power framed by the words in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, 
I'm sure that most of the people that Peter was speaking to would have recalled that the man Jesus was indeed recently crucified, and certainly Peter reminds them of that, and that there were some stories floating around about his body disappearing. What would they have thought about this man's name being invoked as an act of supernatural healing? And really, what do we even think about that? Well, for the people listening to Peter, the idea of the name of Jesus having some kind of power attached to it might have recalled stories from Israel's past where the name of the Lord God Almighty was spoken in an authoritative way. For example, in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, there's a story about the prophet Elijah Elijah, going head-to-head with almost a thousand state-sanctioned false prophets who had led Israel into some very dark and desperate idolatry. Elijah calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, to send fire to consume a a water-soaked sacrifice. And the Lord responds to that. Now, Elijah does not claim that he held such power within himself. It was the one true God who had done it. It was in the name of that God that the power was called upon and made evident. So, what was it about invoking the name of Jesus in this act of healing? Well, first of all, it it showed that Peter and John were not acting out of their own strength, as Peter explained. Second, by calling on the name of Jesus, they were making a claim about authority. The disciples were acting out of an authority that was not their own, but that had been granted to them as they were commissioned to do what Jesus had been doing. So, bring it home a bit, I ask again, what do we think about doing certain things in the name of Jesus? Now, quite often we use those words to end a prayer, don't we? And, uh, and it's a fine thing, but we would be unwise to think that those words serve as a kind of first-class postage stamp that makes sure our prayers actually get to God's desk. I mean, even the Lord's Prayer, the way that Jesus taught us to pray, lacks that kind of ending statement. Instead, to, to pray in the name of Jesus is to declare that we come to God with confidence as his beloved children, and we believe that because of the authority of Jesus the Christ. So saying in the name of Jesus is not the equivalent of a magic charm or spell, sort of like a a Christian version of abracadabra, that that somehow when spoken out forces God's hand or, or even marshals the powers of the universe. Instead, it is a declaration of authority. It is in the power and authority of Jesus that we pray. Uh, that we call for healing to occur, even that we participate in God's mission in the world. Calling on the name of Jesus is part of our commissioning. It's part of our sending, something that comes from Jesus himself to us. I I like to kind of think about it this way. When a pastor officiates at a wedding, at least here in the United States, there are, there are two authorities that allow that pastor to certify the marriage as valid. First, from the pastor's standpoint, there's the church, which has the authority to sacralize a marriage, that is, to signify it as something that's holy before God. 
And then there's the state, which has the authority to legalize a marriage. Both the church and the state grant that authority to the pastor. So the pastor might say something like, by the authority invested in me by the Church of Jesus Christ in the state of California, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Wait, now hold on. If you're an engaged couple watching this right now, I did not just certify your marriage. This is only an example. You have to go through these things on your own. And so, because of the power of granted authority, when those words are spoken, that pronouncement is spoken at a real wedding ceremony, the marriage is considered to be both legal and holy in that very moment, as long, of course, as the pastor remembers to sign and send in the marriage license. So does that mean that any time we invoke the name of Jesus, that something extraordinary is going to happen? Anytime? Will everyone we command to rise up and walk in the name of Jesus be healed of their ruined legs? Well, if that were the case, then the disciples could have gotten very popular by healing every suffering person in all of Israel. You know, just line them up, take a number, and all will be well. Jesus might have done the same. I, I asked the question earlier. What was it that drew Peter and John to focus on the man who was to be healed? The man was really just one broken person among many in Israel, and, and there were probably others to be found nearby as well. Did, did Peter and John put their attention to this one man just because he asked for money? Or did they see something else going on? In chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, Jesus came by a pool in Jerusalem that was believed by folks to be a location where uh, an angel of God would occasionally come and disturb the waters, and, and those able enough to jump into the water at the right time might have a chance of being healed of their afflictions. Now, of course, this speaks very much to the way that they imagined the grace of God to work. Uh, and now, apparently, there were a number of suffering people at the pool, but Jesus focused on one particular man who was unable to get into the pool by himself. Jesus spoke very simply to the man and said, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. And the man was immediately healed without any help from the water in the pool. Now, of course, true to form, the religious leaders got very fussy about this because it happened on the Sabbath. And Jesus told them this, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and, and shows him all that he himself is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be astonished. Jesus, in his intimate and oneness relationship with God, was able to sense when the Father was doing a specific thing at a specific time and then to enter into it. It may be very well that, that Peter and John, having been filled with the very Spirit of God, were doing the same thing. That's why we don't have the power to eliminate all sickness and suffering by simply declaring the name of Jesus. This would be to act 
in our own power and authority as if we carried the equivalent of a of a magic wand around with us and that was always guaranteed to work as long as we said the right words signs and wonders including supernatural healing come out of god's power and authority and are accomplished on his timetable it is not ours to bring fulfillment to god's kingdom by eliminating all sickness and all disease and all injustice in the world we're not even able to do that each act of healing and restoration is a sign that points ahead to when god himself will fully and completely reconcile the world to himself and make all things right you know churches everywhere um, are being challenged today this is not really a new thing but continue to be challenged today to be attentive and proactive in acts of mercy and justice with care for the poor, uh, help toward racial reconciliation, and a whole lot of other things for which there are plenty of biblical and historical precedents. But behind all that we do in the world, including prayer for healing, is the need for us to be attentive to what God the Father is doing. Uh, in our Tuesday night gathering this last week, we, we explored this need for attentiveness. We, we told stories about how we've had experiences in our lives when we sensed that God was doing something, that God was at work at a specific moment in time when we were there, and, and then we, we actually responded to whatever was happening. And I'm sure for all of us that if we thought about it long enough that we could all find a story or two about that. Uh, I, I told the story on Tuesday of a, of a young woman who was in my church years ago who, who drove to a local shopping center to pick up some dry cleaning. She turned off the engine of her car and she glanced at this minivan that was parked next to her and she saw a woman in the van with her head in her hands sobbing desperately, a woman who was all by herself. Well, being a bit shy and not wanting to impose herself on anybody, my friend bolted into the dry cleaner. She picked up her order, jumped back to, into her car, and headed for home. But she got about two blocks down the road and recalled that I had actually been talking on Sundays about this kind of thing, about how we learn to be attentive to God's work in the world around us. And, and so she turned around and went back to the shopping center. And the woman was still there. And my friend, in an inspired moment, ran into the grocery store next to the dry cleaners, bought some flowers, and came back to the minivan. And, and when she tapped on the window, the woman rolled the window down, surprised at this intrusion. And my friend said, I, here, I, I, I think you needed these today. And of course, the tears exploded all over again. And the woman then explained that uh, she was, first of all, astonished that this would happen in this moment. But she said that she really felt herself to be a failure as a wife and a mother and had been sitting there in the front seat of her car planning to end her life, making a plan for committing suicide. And so they begin to talk. And the woman's desperation diminished significantly. And she said to my friend, I think you are an angel sent to me. Well, the woman was probably right in a way. As my friend sensed that God was doing something in that moment, she did become a kind of angel, a, a messenger sent by God with the authority to speak life into a place of death. And whether she said the words or not, she did that in the authoritative name of Jesus. 
You know, even as we prepare to open our church building next week, this this difficult time that we've all been in has opened up the opportunity to think very deeply about who we really are as followers of Jesus, as, as the people of God. For churches all over the world, our shared identity in Christ just cannot be simply boiled down to the buildings where we meet. And I think we know this. Our identity in Christ comes from his power and his authority. The way that we make that authority evident is through our responsiveness to God's ongoing work in the world. It is only by the indwelling Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that our eyes can be opened and our attentiveness heightened so that we can bear witness to God in the name of Jesus the Christ. After the resurrection, as Jesus was preparing to depart, he commissioned his disciples to continue his work, but he also told them to wait there in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high, a reference to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, we understand through Scripture at the beginning of the book of Acts that, that this happened to them very soon, but also that this Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has been poured out upon us. Just as Peter told the gathered people that in repentance, they would receive both forgiveness and refreshment, so might we need the same thing today. For over a year, we have all lived under a cloud, a cloud that's hopefully diminishing, but it's still there. And life for many has felt quite stale and constricting, at least, e even creating a sense that God has somehow been absent from the scene. But God has not been absent. And so this morning, Let's turn anew to the God who has always loved us and invite his spirit to be poured into our lives in a fresh way. And so will you pause now and, and pray with me? God, our Father, our hearts have been heavy for a long time now. Will you come and pour out your spirit upon us? empowering us to engage with what you are doing all around us, to open our eyes to the joyful work that you are about. And, and will you refresh us with your healing presence, a presence that touches us in heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, we, we pause right now and we wait as we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we trust and we believe that you hear us. And we come to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen.